I'm Troy Washington from KTBS3, and we welcome you to Education Checkup. We look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools. We will talk with education leaders, teachers, and community leaders, letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools and our community. We will have episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to your podcast. Let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Dr. Roseman, you've been in healthcare for a while, but even more so passionate about education for a while, like 25 years to be exact, correct? Yes. Alliances, the whole nine yards, you've done it all, but you know that education is the key to the American dream. Tell us a little bit more about your story. I know that to be true, Troy, because I lived it. I know how much education means to me and to many, many, many people that are watching the show. Um, the, um, what I, why I got involved in education is because of what I learned in healthcare. Uh, healthcare and education are about as close as any of the sectors can be because in both of those you have to deal with individual people with individual challenges. Uh, it's not just widgets or boxes or manufacturing and so I learned a lot in leading efforts at Willis-Knighton in leadership in that regard and I hope to have applied that in some ways when we talk about school improvement. Um, to me, education is just so important because of the opportunities. It's important because of the economy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important uh, in that regard. Uh, and it's important uh, for job creators and also for, for teaching people to, to, to man those jobs. So, and maybe most important, I think, about this when Mr. Servan asked me about it is the ability to be able to share some things that we've learned along the way, educator to educator and educator to community and parents, so they can more be aware of what's going on in education. We have uh, got a tremendous educator today uh, that has agreed to sit down with us for a while and talk a little bit about his real passion, his job. Um, Dr. Gorey, I've known for since he got here. Uh, uh, he's lived here most all of his life, with exception of some education uh, in mm -hmm. Texas. Um, what I tell people about you is you walk the talk, uh, you're a person of integrity, uh, and you are a common sense leader. And you don't find that every day. We're thankful and appreciative that you came here and shared with us your leadership role in Caddo Paris. There's no doubt that it's made a huge difference. You know, there was a time when we rolled through superintendents fairly quickly in Caddo Parish. Right. And you stuck around. That, right. was, that was never good. Right. Uh, and it's good to have some sustainability in, le in leadership roles with everybody really knows the vision and where you're going. So with, with that said, uh, you know, I think that uh, we're very, very happy to, to have you and just want to talk a little bit about the schools and, and about that. Let me first uh, ask you about good news. You know, right. I... Uh, what's going on in the school system that we can be proud of? We got so many things going on that we worry about and crime and all these other things, but in the schools there's some great things going on. I know, I know we've, I've heard you talk about them. If you could just relay them 
to our audience. Right, and first off, thank you so much, Dr. Roseman and Troy, for allowing me the opportunity to talk the cattle story. And of course, anyone that knows me knows that my greatest pleasure is telling about the wonderful things that are taking place in Cattle Parish Public Schools. You know, I do think one thing that you mentioned I think is worth speaking to is that I am the longest serving superintendent in three decades in Cattle Parish Schools. December 1st will mark my ninth year, and it seems like just yesterday. So, and I do believe and appreciate that the board and community has acknowledged and has embraced the importance of consistency and leadership. I do believe those are some of the things why we were able to go through a, a global pandemic uh, with somewhat level of success is because we do embrace and know how important it is to build on and support leaders. When we talk about great things that are happening in the parish, so many things come to mind. And first, I want to just thank the teachers who have come back and the, everyone, not just teachers, the cafeteria persons, the bus drivers, everyone. And, and I'm really excited that on September September 16th, they all will receive a thank you supplement of $1,000. Uh, whether you serve food in the cafeteria, whether you're the principal, we want to show thank you to everyone. I will also add, though, a couple other things is that even as we went through a pandemic, we still found ourselves with impressive numbers of students scoring perfect scores on ACT. Uh, we still saw uh, our national merit programs grow. We still led this region. In fact, we saw students representing three schools, uh, Cattle Parish Magnet High, Bird High School, and your alma mater of Northwood High School <laughs> also had a national Blue Ribbon uh, finalist this year. So we're really excited about that. You know, we continue to see things like we have a Milken Award winner this year in Marco French. Uh, and if you'll remember, Marco was recognized as the Louisiana Principal of the Year. He then went on to be recognized by Disney. And from there, he went on to become a Milken winner, which is kind of the Oscar Award uh, for educators. And, you know, last thing I'll mention today is that we also saw an impressing uh, 13 students not only graduate with their high school diploma, but also with their associate degrees as we see growth in our early college program. And when I, why, why I say that for last is I want to just pause just to just remind you that that means when you go to college, you're going as a junior. And just imagine uh, the financial relief to a family that is to know that those first two years were covered on uh, public school dollars. So in essence, you're going to college and you have two more years to get through. So we're really excited to offer that unique opportunity to, to, the, to the citizens and the students in our parish. I'd like to throw a kudos your way. I covered a story, it wasn't too long ago, but it had to do with a business owner who was donating towards some of those teachers in achievement songs uh -huh. schools right, right. who really made an impact. And I was so, I mean, it really drew me in because right. these teachers, they thought that they were just going to um, a meeting to talk about new ideas and uh -huh. how, do we keep, how do we connect with parents. And they were passionate about just that. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know they were getting a check. Right, and that was our wonderful friend Ivan Smith who came and donated that Rookie Teacher of the Year awards to teachers within our <laughs> Achievement Zone. And, and Dr. Rosen, if you'll remember, our work originally began around the Transformation Zone. And when I returned home to lead the school system, there were 10 schools that had chronically been low-performing schools, and the state was positioned to take them away. Uh, when I was selected as superintendent, and I often tell people, as I looked at the data in those early first days of my work here, the easiest thing would have 
have been to say, well, give the schools to the state. Uh, but that was not the will of our community. So we rolled up our sleeves. Dr. Roseman was right there with us with many of those early initiatives. And we worked hard and glad to say to date, none of those schools were taken. When we talk about the Achievement Zone, which is where we operate today, uh, it's us looking at those 10 schools, but also those schools that were right there on the cusp of being like them, especially coming out of a pandemic and really extending uh, that incubator type uh, support to more schools. So we have 20 schools now within the Achievement Zone that we are supporting at the same level that we supported those original 10 Transformation Zone schools. You know, it's, uh, yeah, we've gone through a tough time. And, you know, as we did, I thought back at about the Achievement Zone and the mm -hmm. Transformation Zone, and and I knew that this this pandemic was going to affect those that uh, are lower socioeconomic Absolutely. than it would anybody else. Right. Uh, and so it would affect those schools. What, what did y'all do to kind of get through, and what are you doing now to try to catch up uh, the the travails, I would say, mm -hmm. of the pandemic. So one, one thing I say, and I agree with you two hundred. I agree with you totally that uh, how this pandemic affected children of poverty uh, is different, and, I, and, I, and it did affect all children. But children of poverty, and I have a kindergarten teacher who I ran into. I remember in Walmart in the early, in the earlier part of the pandemic, who taught in a Title One school, and she talked to me about how. And this was probably around April of 2020 when the pandemic had just hit, and she talked to me about how her kindergartners in this Title One community were just beginning to grasp words. They were putting words together. Uh, but her worst fear is that she knows that within a month before they left school, they would have been reading sentences at least. But she knew that they would probably just on experiences not have any uh, additional contact. And that's not true in all cases, but there would probably be no other school until they come back and how that broke her heart. Uh, in that respect, that really fueled my team as we prepare to how do we now look at how do we fill those gaps that were created by the pandemic, but also how do we accelerate learning so that we catch children up. I think one thing we know too for sure is that how this pandemic was addressed around the country is very different. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but one thing for sure, the world didn't stop. So we know <laughs> that we had to continue to progress forward and push forward for our children. Some, th some things that I think we were at an advantage with is that even pre-pandemic and right there probably within those two years before the pandemic, we had successfully shifted all of our learners to uh, high high quality tier one on grade level curriculum. And we in Cattle Parish Schools believe that every child, regardless to where you come to us at, deserves, has a fundamental right to be taught on grade level. Now it's our responsibility to ensure that we build those interventions in to support those students, but we need to teach you at grade level. And we'd already implemented that. So that's something too that I think post pandemic will help us in closing those achievement gaps. I do think too, how we've utilized uh, the additional resources with things like summer camps, uh, we started school early. Uh, and again, this is really about creating those hours, those opportunities for us to put more hours in so that our students have an opportunity to begin to close those gaps. And I think those are some of the things that we've done as we move forward that are going to make measurable differences. Uh, we're also doing a much, uh, doing a very effective job of utilization of data uh, to drive instruction in the respect that we're truly testing children to see where they are, see what they're grasping, to determine how we either redesign lessons, how we lesson plan but also with that uh, quantitative uh, conversation being a part of what we're doing for children every day. You know what, uh, I think one of the things we learned and uh, really stood out was the importance of the personal contact that goes between a student and a teacher. Right. And what happens when that gets disrupted. Right, right. Uh, and um, so 
there is a lot to say about technology, and I'd like to talk a little, you know, just a little about technology, mm -hmm. about what we learned along the way with the COVID pandemic, and how we might take those lessons and go further as far as that's concerned. You know, one thing I'll say is that we're at, uh, currently educating about 73% of our students in poverty. So when the pandemic hit, we had actually began to develop some online type instruction, but from a technology perspective, we were way behind the eight ball. What we've done since then is that we're a one-to-one -one district where we do have a device for every child. But I remember in those early days of March, we were buying everyone, all school systems were looking for as many laptops or Chromebooks as they possibly can find. I remember we'd find 5,000. I wouldn't even have time to call the CFO. I would just say buy them and pray that the money was there to pay for them. But that was how serious we knew uh, this opportunity was. And I think what you saw technology become is the new textbook. It's something that every child, too, has a fundamental right to. If we're going to say we're going to provide every child with a free and appropriate education, we have to make sure they have that technology in hand to be successful. So we have certainly embraced technology. We've certainly built on partnerships with the city and uh, the parish around how do we make sure that we have access at that point to high quality internet and we're working towards that and we've identified all those hot spots and those areas where we need additional support and we're actually doing that. The one thing I do think when we talk about technology that we have to speak to is that I think we also learned that technology is no substitute for that relationship with that amazing teacher and that uh, young children sitting home in front of a TV on Zoom is not the best and the most effective way for them to learn. And that's why you saw us, even in September of 2020, uh, we had to decide, you know, do we embrace the pandemic or do we embrace the academic pandemic? Well, we did both, but we acknowledged that academically, we could not afford to let kindergartners and first graders and even seventh, grade, seventh graders continue to sit home and we were bringing those students back to school. Now, in bringing them back to school, at that time, we did have a virtual option and we currently don't even have that because we found it to be just that ineffective uh, and just that many there's just that flaw with how you truly uh, build the best outcomes for children right you know it's um, I think in my own life and I think in, in all others we can recognize people teachers you know that made huge impacts upon us mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's those, those great teachers that if you get a child connected with that great teacher just once sometimes right that's all it takes to really spur on somebody to be all that they can be. Right. So, uh, you know, I mean, it is it is uh, amazing uh, the importance of that. With that in mind, we also I sit and listen to the teacher shortage issue. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know all about it. I think you do. Okay, but can tell us about what do we need to do and what are we doing to deal with this problem with the teacher shortage. Uh, are there things that we can do to kind of move out of that over the long term? You know, every time I think about that, you know, I tell people that's the thing that keeps me up. But sitting here looking at you, I remember it was that uh, our need for school buses and we helped us with passing a millage to take care of that. So that didn't keep me up anymore. But then <laughs> I think about our teacher shortage. and It truly does keep me up. Uh, when I started this work, we probably were running about 105 vacancies. Uh, we've worked so hard through our work and in incentive pay and things of that nature to where we'd actually had that down to about 55. Well, post-COVID, we're back at 143 today. And, and what that means is 
is that there are 143 classrooms out there that are being filled by subs. Now, what I will say is that many of our long-term subs are high, high quality, but that's because of all that we put into them. But I do believe at the same time, and we've seen this begin at the state level, we've got to start looking at these practice your te these tests to determine what are those testing requirements that are actually necessary to measure that you are a good teacher. There are so many subs that we have data around how their students perform that we know they're good teachers, but there's a test that's keeping them from being able to fully qualify as a teacher. So I think we need to continue that conversation with our with the people in Baton Rouge around what are those things that actually measure a successful teacher. I do think too some of the things we're doing is you have to be very specific in your marketing and how you're recruiting teachers but even more importantly how you're supporting onboarding and retaining them. That part is very important. The research shows that we're losing most of our teachers within that three to five year measure. So you want to make sure that that year one, two and three, four and five all still have those supports to help us keep those teachers in the classroom. One thing we've learned in our community though is that too, incentivizing the work does help, but what I tell people all the time is people don't quit uh, jobs because of money and they don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. So really making sure that we train the bosses, making sure that the bosses are prepared to train and support the teachers. And uh, and I'm not just speaking of principals, I'm talking with everyone that, that, that fulfills an administrative responsibility to support what's happening in the classroom. And lastly, Dr. Roseman, we have to bring the dignity back to our profession. Uh, I, I'm the product of two Caddo Parish educators and, and I lived in a community of educators uh, when I was growing up in this community and it was great pride in what they did. It was uh, it was an honorable profession and, and somehow we've gotten away from that and I think because of that that's why we do see the low number of students that are choosing education as a career but we need to bring that pride back to the work that we do and really empower teachers uh, to the level that they truly deserve. You know, I went to a symposium not too long ago uh, talking about uh, the, this issue of uh, what do we do over the pandemic? What, what has the pandemic done? You know, how do we overcome that? And I'm telling you, there were a lot of presentations on this issue of teacher mental health. Right. And what it takes in order to do the things that you just said. Right. You know, how do you retain teachers? How do you bring dignity to it? How do you make bring pride back to the thing? How do you deal with the burnout that, that's gonna happen right. because this was no picnic right. you know for anybody. Uh, and they were talking about all kinds of things, bringing people to do the nails of the teachers mm -hmm. and all kinds of things like that. What, what you talked a little bit about some of the things y'all are doing along that line of, of not doing nails, but, yeah. uh, but what you're doing along the line to, to basically to, to, uh, to encourage the teacher profession and to try to bring more people into it that have the character that you want in the profession. Yeah, and let me let me let me jump to students on that too. And I'm gonna build up to okay. what we're doing with our with our with our staff. Is that one thing we did this year too? Is that one of the when I talk about COVID affected everyone? I think from a social emotional perspective, there was no one that was not affected by COVID. In that respect, we did adopt this year a K eight uh, uh, social emotional learning platform. And what this platform does is it's an opportunity for all children 
children to build some of those skills that will help them to survive in these very challenging times. So we're really excited about that. Now at the same time, we've also continued to build on our ACES training where we've trained everyone around uh, those adverse childhood experiences and how they affect you. One thing we learned a couple years ago when we started the ACES training in our staff, with our staff, is that so many of our teachers uh, were in emotionally rough spots because as they learned about the things that would affect children, they realized that they too had experienced and had, had never addressed many of the adverse childhood experiences that they were exposed to. And in that respect, we did certainly ramp up our employee assistance program. In fact, we've continued that program and continue to provide that additional level of support to, to those teachers as they deal with some of those demons that they quite frankly just had not dealt with themselves. Mm. I think too, uh, this year we did go to one of those, um, those, those stress relieving through our social emotional learning platform. There's a, there's a platform for teachers where you can do the yoga and do all of the things that the breathing and a lot of those things that really help them uh, to maintain their health and their mental safety. Uh, we have talked it's extensively about print our principles about those warning signs and to look for those and making sure that we are responsive when we actually see those. And again, you know, if it's counseling, if it's drug support, uh, alcohol support, any of those type things, we have those all available because we acknowledge that our teachers are human. Uh, we acknowledge that everyone is doing the very best they can to survive in a very challenging uh, climate. And we certainly want to make sure that we provide that social, emotional, and that mental support for people to be the best they can be. I think it's kind of similar to if someone just asks you, like, hey, how are you doing? Right. You guys are so used to looking out for the children right. and supporting them. But in that event that I attended, I was able to watch you guys ask, hey, teachers, first, second year, how can we support yeah, you? That was fun. So right. then, and you know, they kept bringing it back to how can we support the students? Right. And how can we support these families? Because a lot of teachers, they have big hearts. Mm -hmm. So they're passionate about supporting everyone else but you guys were focused on how to support them and I think that that's a full circle moment right. and I think that that plays a big role and just making sure that everyone is good. And, and can I have one thing that too? It's that teachers have that mother bear perspective. It's that I can't be down because I've got to watch out for the babies. I got to watch out for my baby cubs. But we've had to make it okay for teachers to know it's okay not to be okay. It's yeah. okay to need help. Uh, and it's so much easier to ask for the help versus that whole crash and burn type mentality. So uh, really working hard to make teachers feel comfortable uh, seeking out those supports. And this is everyone seeking those supports when you need them. Yeah, we've learned that in healthcare too. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah. it's the same system where you're looking out after someone else over and over and mm -hmm. over again. You're always, how can I make this right for them? And before you know it, you know, you run yourself completely in the ground and yeah. you're no good to anybody. Right. So I, I think that's fantastic that you're allowing people to reach out without a stigma, okay, mm -hmm. and to get help and provide the help right. uh, uh, where you can provide it. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that's on everybody's mind, okay, um, uh, especially recently with uh, shootings in Texas, okay, mm -hmm. is the idea of school security. Right. Um, and uh, thought we would, t a little time, just asking you about what measures, what things are we doing as a community and as schools to try to prevent uh, any un uh, event like that 
uh, come into our community. Right. You know, I think one thing we're so fortunate in this community that our director of, uh, of uh, security, Mr. Roy Murray, has been with us since 1993. So he truly does know uh, the ins and outs of this system very well. I think at the same time, Mr. Murray would tell you that in a lot of these situations, if someone truly has a goal to do evil, it's hard to stop that. But what we can control is how we respond to it. And hopefully our response can happen before anyone's hurt. Uh, we have put those things in place. Again, thank you so much to the taxpayers of our parish. Uh, we have passed millages with safety in mind and we have worked aggressively towards those one-stop entries in our schools. And if you go to many of our schools, if not all of them, uh, it's only one way in. And we're really working diligently with staff too, because that's only as strong as the people closing the doors and not propping doors open. So really working for that not to happen. In fact, we've moved to a teaching with your door lock, which is never fun for principals because I'm a former principal and we love to float in and out of classrooms. <laughs> but it's an, in this season, it's necessary that you take a key with you because that's one way to create a, a, a one-stop one stop, one stop entry for every classroom in the building is just to lock the doors. Yeah. We're also partnering with our local Shreveport police as well as our sheriff. We have an armed officer on all of our schools and that's something overwhelmingly that our community uh, sees as a positive and uh, really glad to do that to have that arms officer uh, we've worked with all of our security personnel on those fast responses and how to make sure in the event of an emergency that appropriate notifications are going out as well as that we are uh, also making sure that we're responding as quickly as we possibly can to protect our employees and our children. Uh, and you know, the last thing I'll speak to is that we are, we're also working with this uh, application and the application, that will, it, when we get this fully implemented in the district, it will give all teachers the ability to notify uh, the office of an emergency if that should come out. But again, we, uh, you know, knock so on So everybody, everybody can have everyone access. Everyone will have to access to that no, with, on their phone. Important. Like it's very important. Able to, and with that, I'm sure that you guys can alert the office and then that in turn alerts the, the officers and, mm -hmm. and officers. Mm -hmm. And so everyone feels a little bit more at ease. Yeah. Right. And, and what I'd say to that too is that uh, this is just another way that we want to make sure we empower everyone to see something, say something. Uh, and, and I do believe that if we, um, you, know, you know, one thing I think is really sad, let me add this before I go to my point, is that we're educating a population of children that have no clue what it's like to not go to school in a uh, school with school violence. So uh, I do think our children are somewhat uh, immune to it. But again, our goal is to make sure that we keep that high level of intense uh, su support and attention with them. Uh, and, and we're doing drills all the time now. And we've increased our drills and making sure that we have done done those simulation drills and faculty meetings and things of that nature. So we are certainly top of mind uh, with what we're doing for safety. You know, security. I have this this hope, I have this feeling, you know, that if it, what we can do in the schools and the neighborhoods that are so affected by all of this, mm -hmm. if we can invest in those schools as a community, if we can give to those communities, if we can build great schools in those communities, mm -hmm. that's going to make a huge difference in this community. I. I don't know any other place that it can work. I right. mean, how do you change the neighborhood? You know, it's got, it's almost has to start. Okay, right. with that neighborhood school and, and what right. we do with that neighborhood school. And I think too, we're also I think it's important to note really responsive to students who are uh, demonstrating behaviors uh, that could result in violence, students who are in situations uh, that result in violence. I think many of the uh, people that we see do, uh, you know, doing these horrible acts have a story, and we want to make sure that we're not missing those stories. And more importantly, we're reactive when we see the, you know, the odd social media posts and things do, of that nature. Do you, have, do you have any way 
of an, encouraging kids to talk about the things that are happening in their neighborhoods to the authorities in the school, or is that something that's just too hard to we overcome? We actually encourage our officers to build those relationships. In fact, we tell our principals all the time that when, when you call an officer, expect them to do something. So do not, do not call the officer for routine discipline issues. That's for administration to deal with. But our goal is for those officers to develop relationships with those students so that someone, uh, if there's an event of a problem, and this has happened several times on our campuses, someone feels comfortable enough to come forward and tell that officer what's going on. Absolutely. Now, looking back and looking forward, okay, uh, I, my, my question is, what are the challenges you see in front of you and anticipating those challenges, what's the next step for going to excellence as it relates to Kettle Parish Schools. Right. You know, I tell people that this is a, a critical school year. In fact, I would probably say this will be the most critical school year of most educators' career and that the last two uh, created uh, some academic gaps in all children. Uh, that are that are astro that are large. I mean, and they're large in the respect that uh, we already had an achievement gap, especially if you looked at that from the perspective of children of poverty or black and brown children. Uh, but now we're going to say we're our data early data is showing that that gap has gotten larger. So how we work to close that gap uh, that we've worked for 20 years to close and hadn't quite gotten there right. will become increasingly more important. I am super encouraged because I do think that every day we learn more about what we did not do yesterday that we can incorporate today. Uh, things like all students having uh, on grade level curriculum. I think things like how we support literacy uh, and how we really go back to that science of reading which really looks at not only the phonemic awareness but also the whole importance of whole word recognition and how we marry those together and how we continue to push forward in those initiatives while uh, we're dealing with a, an achievement gap I think will certainly uh, create a unique challenge for all schools systems. Uh, but I do think the school systems like Caddo Parish with our urban status and our urban makeup, you're going to see that even more. Dr. Corey, this has been a fantastic uh, and insightful uh, event of being able to talk with you. I learned a great deal. I know Troy the same. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot of other questions. We're going to do this again, okay? I look forward and, to and, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and talk about some of the things you just let off with as it relates to literacy and reading and all the things that we know in the community we must do. So thank you so much. Uh, and again, uh, very appreciative of your work and your sustainability to stay here with the task for nine years. Let's make it another nine years. Let's do okay, it. And go from there. Thank you. And we'll have new episodes every Monday. And you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.